Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with father and son jazz trumpeter and composer duo John Snyder and David Snyder on the new 2023 CD, Snyder Remarks. They explore the musical possibilities and potential of the two-trumpet format on their new album for Cellar Live. The Snyders were joined by a lot of impressive cats like pianist Jeb Patton to explore some deeply personal and compelling stories through their music. We get into this album, their life of music, surviving COVID, upcoming shows, and so much more. Enjoy this interview. How's it going? What's going on, David? Uh, nothing much. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. John, what's up, man? Joe, how are you? Hey, you know what's weird? I just looked at when we did that interview. We did it before the world shut down. I know, because my record came out in February of 2020. Wow. And I, I had just done my CD release gig at Smalls and then... And then Armageddon. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I will tell you from Armageddon. Kansas City, I used to go. That's yeah. fun. It's funny because we're doing a father son thing here. I used to go watch the Chiefs games with my dad, and he used to oh. always call them the Kansas City Griefs. And there was kind of this underground joke that if the Chiefs ever did win another Super Bowl, the world would come to an end. And after we had the parade, bam, it all ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised it didn't happen after my Red Sox won the World Series in 04. So. You know what, man? I have never been a Red Sox fan, but I remember that year. My son, again, father-son, there's something yeah. in the air. My first son, Miles, named after Miles, was born, and I got real nostalgic because I gave up on baseball. When they struck in 94, I was like, see you later, I'm out. And I think it was the Red Sox that pulled me back in, and I remember I got the hat, and I was really pulling for the whole thing. And who knew that the magic would come from, uh, of all people, Davey Roberts. He started the whole thing. Oh, yeah, man. Stealing that base. That's Barely. It. Barely. Yeah. It's amazing. Barely. The older I get and the more I watch baseball, it's amazing how the magic and uncertainty of all of it just unfolds. Like, to see the Astros lose last night, I wish one of those guys on the Rangers would have just ignored the reporter and looked right in the camera and said, America, we did this for all of the teams that lost this year. <laughs> <laughs> we knocked these guys out with yeah. a resounding boom. I would have loved that. That was crazy last night. It reminded me of game seven when the Sox in uh, 04 came out and just lambasted the Yankees in the first inning to sort of break the curse. And uh, Anyway, you, you could get me on a deep dive about that. I wouldn't yeah. stop. I'm a psycho about it. So as, <laughs> my poor son Definitely. has had to grow up under the under the guise of a can, psycho Boston fan. Can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But you know, the, I, the, the last thought I'm going to say about the Astros is they they create a karmic trail by what they did by throwing that pitch and denying it. I, I think they intentionally wanted to hit him. I think they started a fire. And the ire came out. He smashed home runs, and he made all of those Astros sit silent in their chairs. So be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I have some very unhappy friends in uh, Austin this morning in Houston. Well, let's let's move on to happier things here, Jazz. Yeah, man. It's it's so good to catch back up with you. I mean, you know, who would have known? that the world was going to go through what it went through for as long as it did. And it really did take a hold on the jazz community. So each of you respectively, how did you get through this pandemic and how has it changed you now that we're coming out and you got a new album? 
I'll let David talk about it first because he was in college at the time. So maybe David, you could talk about it first. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I was in college, um, and I was in college in Florida, which is also like interesting in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess just sort of in like a, um in like a more positive light, like I feel like that moment like really made me grateful for the little things in life. And I guess when it comes to music, um, when it's, when things started easing up a little bit, um, well, well first, so, so yeah, it was, I guess it was, I, I forget what year it was, when I was in college, but yeah, I was, I was studying my undergrad and they sent us all home. Um, and of course it was like, it was the time, like we were like washing groceries and like letting our packages sit out overnight. It's like, we had no idea what was going on. Um, but, but I, I feel like the one thing that was keeping me sane was just like taking walks around my neighborhood. Like, I feel like I just had a, like such a greater appreciation for just like, out, like going outside yeah like i would just walk everywhere that i like in my in in the neighborhood that i'd never been before in my life like i would go to like weird places in the woods or like around the cemetery or like um but yeah i guess when it when it comes to music as well like when things started easing up i i used to go to my friend uh miles's house Cause he, he had sort of like a nice outdoor area where we could play like distanced. And it was funny. They would actually put like tape yeah. on like the patio. <laughs> so we could like, and it was like, like tape. So we could like know how far to be apart from each other. But I, I just feel like I gained like such a greater appreciation just for like being able to play at all. Mm -hmm. Just because some people like, didn't even have like the means to do that. Like I was lucky. I had a friend that had like an outdoor space that we could like play safely. Yeah. Like, I might I, add, I, these guys were out there playing when it was really cold. They just didn't care. Oh yeah. Every, yeah. every weather condition, like, like super cold, super hot. Like, I mean, we, we just, that if like, I didn't do that, I, I don't know how I would have made it through like yeah. the pandemic, honestly, like that mm -hmm. saved me. Like, yeah just yeah. being able to do that you know so how did this project come about i mean has this been cooking for a long time how did the nexus the beginning of this begin well i mean david has been coming out to gigs since he was a young man and uh, this wasn't like a rocky situation where i forced him to play trumpet or anything you know yeah um, what the heck yeah. <laughs> Why would you do this to me? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, honestly, like he he just has loved it for so long, and he's been traveling with me to like sit in at Ronnie Scott's or whatever. And so over the years, we've just been playing a lot together. And if you know, my poor wife, she she's on the main level of the house with the TV on closed captioning, and David's up in his room practicing, and I'm on the in the basement practicing. And so it's, there's been horn everywhere. And, <laughs> but uh, 
you know, it was oftentimes, you know, we would come, Dave would come down the basement and we would play duets or we'd play along to play along record and just, but it, in terms of the record, it got to a point where David was subbing my gigs, you know, and now he has all his own gigs. But when, when it really got to the point that there was no difference between David and the guys who I play with, you know, and like, we were just like, we have to do a record together. And I, I think some of that idea was, you know, formed during the pandemic when we were forced to spend so much time together. David was home a lot from the University of Miami his junior year. And then uh, when he moved back to New York to finish up at Juilliard, he was now around all the time. So he was back in New York starting two and a half years ago uh, to do his master's. And that's when we really said, like, you know, I mean, this is honestly the greatest joy for me to make a record with my son. And, you know, of course, he wrote, you know, five of the nine tunes. And uh, it's just uh, it's we've graduated to that point where Dave is just one of the cats. And it's really, really fun. And uh, I have to stop doing that thing on stage when he's uh, playing his butt off where I'm just sitting there like smiling like a proud dad. I have to I have Aww. to maintain <laughs> I have to maintain cool, you yep. know, I can't, you know, now I'm just, uh, I live in fear because he's playing so well that he's going to crush me. on the <laughs> So, oh. but yeah, we're just, uh, we started talking about it and then we wrote all the music and then uh, we found the guys we wanted to use um, guys I've been playing with for years, especially Andy and Ugana, who I've been playing with for 30 years. Um, and then, you know, we rehearsed thoroughly. And by the time we went into the studio, it was basically like a day and a day and a half. We just mowed it down. So yeah. it's like uh, super exciting. Right on. Yeah, man. So, David, is this technically your debut? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I so um, I played, a, I was actually a guest on my dad's, like, like I, I wrote the last song on the scrapper, which is called Dinosaur Eggs, and okay. I have a solo on that. But this is technically as like a leader kind of situation, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, John, you, you've dreamed about this, but I want to know from you, David, because, you know, parents have to be very careful about pushing and allowing room and allowing, you know, there's this separation of DNA and manifest destiny and you want to make sure to, to, to honor that. So what was your dream growing up? Did you always think I've been around jazz? This is my life. This is what I'm going to do. What, what was your idea of what your life was going to be? Yeah. I mean, it, it just came naturally. Like it just like, I don't know. It was just kind of like, fate i guess i mean yeah i just knew i i mean like when i started i was like i want to be like my dad you know and i mean also like we just have like a massive like a comically massive musical family mm. like like an absurd amount of people in our family play music it's almost just like it was just gonna happen like yeah yeah it was just so gonna happen. So if you don't play music in the family, you're the black sheep, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, 
It's oh, actually we, absurd how many people. Trust me, we would have been happy with a doctor, a lawyer, accountant. That would right. be fun. Oh, yeah, they told me. <laughs> they were like, are you sure you don't want to like, like have a, you know, like, all right, good luck. <laughs> yeah. No sugar coating, but yeah. 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 So, you know, the interesting thing, one of my, my two favorite people in the world of jazz is Leo and Ben Sidron. And I, I've I've always loved those guys and they have such a tight relationship. And it seems like having this opportunity to perform together, you get to maintain a relationship in a way that maybe you never thought you would be able to. Yeah, it really is special. And you probably noticed Leo wrote the liner notes for the record. Yeah. And uh, my, my last two records, this one and the previous, and we've had some long, deep talks about it. And I am, I, they have such an incredible special relationship. It really is amazing. But, um, yeah, I mean, just being able to do this is probably brings brings me a lot closer to David than if he was working a you know an accounting job or whatever. I mean, I'd see him if he was in New York or wherever he is. But like, it is every couple of weeks we might end up on something, or I show up on one of his gigs. He was playing this killer quintet gig out in Brooklyn on Sunday night, and I was like, "Let's go!" <laughs> you know, so I get to see him play. You know, and and that's. Um, it's really fun. It's also been a thing. Like I was on the road um, earlier in September, and I caught COVID for the first time. And uh, you know, David ended up subbing a bunch of gigs at the Roxy, you know, and just really killing it. So, um, so I have my top call sub. You know, yeah. I'm waiting for my <laughs> sub calls from David. I'm still waiting. But the relationship is really. Um, brings us together in so many ways. Yeah. Of course, we do all the father and son stuff. Like if Predator or Jaws is on, of course, we're locked in and we're watching that on the, yeah, we, on the you know, there's those fun things, but this, this bond is amazing. Just, and it doesn't have to be every day and I'm trying to give him his space, but like he'll come across a record. He's like, have you heard this Chet Baker record? This is insane. You know, and that's the fun. That's the real fun. Yeah, for sure. So, I know I really enjoyed listening to this. I mean, it's funny because I was listening to it with my son while we were driving around quite a bit. Um, what are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from this album? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great thing. Um, I think that's multi-layered. Um, I'll let David answer after me, but uh, I think coming out of the pandemic and where we were, this is mostly an expression of joy. I mean, this is like not only on a, the obvious father son thing which is kind of unique to have two people on the same instrument make a record who are father and son but uh just this record is you know from the get-go swinging and it's a feel-good record in my opinion um and you know for me this is the greatest outlet in life and i want people to feel that like it's our chance to express ourselves entirely with like you know, nobody telling us what to do. This is exactly the music we want to play, when we want to play it, how we want to play it. And uh, I'm just so happy with the feeling that the band got. Um, in an age of like where chops is, everybody's so fascinated with chops. You know what I mean? To me, the feeling, because so many people have chops now. Like to me, the feeling is there. And, um, you know, I... I of course, I like listening to it. It's my record, but I like hearing guys who put the band 
um, and the tunes above their ego. And it just, it's for me, it's a really cohesive effort yeah. and, and I'm really proud of it. Demon? Yeah, no, definitely to like continue off of that. It's just like, I don't know, like music brings people together and creates like families. Like to me at the end of the day, that's like what the music is about. It's not about how many changes you can make or like how many likes you have on Instagram from the good solos that you played. Like it's, it's, it's like about, it, 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 it brings like the music brings a lot of people together from like in like inner like from different generations like totally different generations and like different walks of life and yeah i feel like that's that's what the the album is about and and i think for you this is your initial shout into the jazz world do you feel any pressure with that how do you feel what's your overall feeling of this being kind of your debut imprint in the world of jazz you know maybe maybe i'm just like trying not to be like concerned about that. I mean, you know, it's like it, it like the jazz world is like a very scary world and it's like, yeah, there are a lot of like, there's just so many musicians. Like it's, it's such like an overcrowded field, but I, I feel like you just can't be concerned of, about that. Like I'm, I'm mostly just doing this for me and, and for my dad, like, you know, I don't know if you have anything to say. No, but I think that's a good viewpoint. I mean, it's, you know, when you move to New York and you're trying to establish yourself, I felt the same pressures uh, 30 years ago when I moved here. It's that, you know, oh, there's no room for me here. You know what I mean? But like yeah. you start to carve your niche as a, um, your niche as a, a player and a teacher and a, and a writer and all these kind of things. And, you know, the best thing you can do is really focus on yourself and i think that from yeah. a from an album and a band standpoint um the more you please yourself i think the more apt you are to please others and i think that comes out in the music so yeah um but this is you know this is obviously a big time for for david you know he's trying to establish himself and you know he's playing some really cool gigs and he's got some you know touring coming up so he's just this is a really like, you know, to just be done with school and establish yourself in New York is it's daunting, but uh, it's we're very daunting. I'm so scared. And stressed. <laughs> but I'm figuring it out. I mean, yeah. Hey, he's in his own apartment with some roommates. I think his room is about uh, the size of uh, a broom closet, but he's it's figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah it. that's it. <laughs> So yeah. if anyone wants to pick up the brand new album or what learn about live shows, anything that you guys are doing together or separately, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, we're pretty lame on the websites thing, but, you know, on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, David's Instagram, my Instagram. We have two really big gigs coming up. We're playing our CD release at the Roxy, uh, the club called The Django yeah. on November 1st at 730 with a fantastic band. Um, unfortunately, Judd Patton can't make that. So I don't know if you know Adam Birnbaum, fantastic yeah. players, going to be joining us. So that'll be fun. And then uh, a couple weeks later, we're playing at Smalls on November 19th. 
And then we're in the process of setting some other things up. Uh, we're about to book Sam first yeah. in LA. And so we're going to parlay that into some West Coast gigs after the new year. And uh, yeah, I just want to, I want to put together some little mini tours, you know, yeah. we're, we're not the big guys who have like management handling us, but we're going to yeah. bootstrap it into some gigs. And we're also, we're, you know, busy ourselves with our own careers, but we are really keen to, to uh, put some mini tours together. I mean, you know how this is crazy. We're going to go places and we're going to have to pick up bands and rehearse them for us to, unless it's like a major festival or as a teaching component, it's going to be pretty exorbitant for us to drag the band around. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm not David's age anymore. I don't share hotel rooms and uh, drive <laughs> 500 miles. Yeah. I'm Those a geezer, man. I, get, yeah. I need my comfort. That's <laughs> it. I'm used to touring in comfort. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I, I will tell you the one thing that I kept thinking over the pandemic, and I know we talked before it, but a lot of those interviews around that time, I kept thinking it's going to be so nice to catch up after this is all done, to see the material that was produced, to see that everybody's back at it. So it's so good. And this is extra special for father's son. So thank you so much for taking a minute out today. Best of luck with the album. And as your careers expand forward, I appreciate it. Oh, well, we really appreciate you sharing yeah, the music. You so it, it means the world to us. I mean, just the, the initial messages we're getting from people sending us that, that they listen to the record, it just means so much, you know? I mean, we're not big stars, but for every voice that hears this, we are like eternally grateful and we appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We give you a bit of insight into the finest players and cats in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to both John and David for their time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.